War crimes, a phrase used a lot since the invasion of Ukraine, but now something new. Germany's intelligence service has intercepted Russian radio transmissions, and the soldiers were talking about killing Ukrainian civilians. The Germans picked up two separate messages. Both were radio transmissions from Russian soldiers in Ukraine. The troops describing how they questioned both Ukrainian soldiers and civilians before killing them. For their part, Russian officials deny committing war crimes. They say these massacres happened after their troops pulled out, or else they're staged for the camera. But this is just another piece of evidence that the Russians are killing indiscriminately. A plan to terrorize and kill Ukrainian's population until there is surrender. Atrocities have been part of this sinful world ever since Cain killed Abel. And no injustice has been as bad as the crucifixion of the Holy One. But what men meant for evil, God meant for good. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. We get to share the great story that's all about Jesus here on this Wednesday before Easter. And we're in a series called Seven Sayings from the Cross. Every word Jesus ever spoke is, of course, important. But there's something about final words that reveal all the more a person's heart. So what were Jesus' final words? We've been looking at his statements from the cross this week. And now we come to the moment where Jesus asks a disciple to take care of his mother. It might seem out of place, Nailed to the cross, Jesus was thinking beyond himself and about the needs of others. What does it show us about his heart? Well, stay with me as we think about the crucifixion and the resurrection today. And we'll also be joined by resurrection scholar N.T. Wright. And later in the program, we'll meet up with a Ukrainian pastor who's helping refugees in Poland through his church that's in Krakow. But first... I want to send you a copy of Dr. Wright's compelling documentary called Resurrection. Did Jesus physically rise from the dead? That's the thesis of this hour-long documentary, which travels to Israel and Greece and back to England, looking at physical and scriptural evidence that Jesus did indeed rise again. I think Dr. Wright will convince you that Jesus did rise from the dead, And the historical Christian position is the right position as well. You can call us after the program. Make a gift to the ministry. We'll send you the Resurrection DVD with our thanks. And our number is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website. Watch a short video there where Dr. Wright answers the question, Is the resurrection historically accurate? You can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's get this program started this Easter week. Here's the Ball Brothers from their album, Dynamic. On a hill called Calvary Stands an endless mercy tree Every broken, weary soul Find your rest and be made whole. 
Haven Today and a program called Seven Sayings from the Cross. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you. That was Mercy Tree by the Ball Brothers. And I want to just say welcome to you. We're a few days before Easter. Today we're continuing a series and we're looking at what Jesus said to his mother Mary and his disciple John. 
the youngest of the disciples. But first, Dr. N.T. Wright is back to help consider something. Jesus died and rose again in history. Now, this is important. It actually happened. It isn't just a legend or a myth. Listen to Dr. Wright. For many people, not least Christians like myself, the story of Jesus has become so familiar, so covered over with hindsight, that we easily forget that he was a real human being who lived within real history. He lived at a particular time when the Roman Empire was at its height and at a particular place here in the Middle East. And if we're going to understand his story, not least the story of his resurrection, it's important to grasp how people in that world thought and what they believed, and within that, how Jesus himself thought and what he believed. You know, that's an important point. Jesus actually came in history. But of course, he was different than anyone else in history, too. Do you remember how he first came on the scene? Well, let's return to N.T. Wright. These ideas about the coming apocalypse had already taken hold when a young prophet appeared on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He began to preach to the people of the little settlements surrounding the lake. His name was Jesus. No one expected to find the Messiah here or for him to sound like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. In Jesus' day, Galilee was a ferment of different cultures, Jews and pagans living side by side, a history of revolutionary movements, popular miracle workers, all sorts. Jesus fits right into this context. But his message had a special note of urgency. God's new world was breaking into the present one, even as he spoke. The kingdom, he declared, was arriving here and now, and it was time for everyone to get on board. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus went from town to town, curing the sick. Not far from here, according to the story, he fed 5,000 people with two loaves and a few fish. He taught the crowds that the time had come for God's kingdom to be established. Those things really happened. And years later, Jesus really rose from the dead. But first, he had to be crucified. And this really happened in history, too. And one of the things we see in the historical crucifixion of Jesus is his third saying on the cross. Specifically, we hear it in John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that's John, of course, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, we know was John, here is your mother. I don't know about you. But at different times in my Christian life, I've read these words and, well, they seemed a bit out of place. After all, 
Here was Jesus, the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world, and he's talking to his own earthly mother. You and I tend to think he had bigger things in his mind, don't we? But this is one place where it's important to remember that the crucifixion is an historical event. It really happened. It happened to a real person, Jesus Christ, the God-man. He had real relationships with real people. And if we think about it this way, what Jesus said to Mary and John brings us great comfort. Let me explain what I mean. This statement from the cross was out of love and affection. Jesus was the firstborn son of Mary. And the lack of any mention of Joseph leads us to the conclusion that he had died before this, so she was a widow. And in a matter of hours, her eldest son would be dead. And that means she was extremely vulnerable in that day in that world. Most women weren't able to support themselves in those days, especially once they started getting to the age of Mary. So Jesus made sure his beloved mother was taken care of. John seems to be the only disciple left to the cross who didn't scatter in fear and grief. So Jesus basically performed an adoption of sorts while he was nailed to the tree. John would now be the one responsible for Mary, making sure that her physical needs were met. Do you remember what Simeon said? That old man in the temple who saw baby Jesus way back in Luke 2? He had been waiting for the Messiah for years, and when he saw Jesus, he began prophesying, and he said this to Mary. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's what was happening here. Mary, the mother of our Lord, is watching her son hanging and dying on a Roman cross and dying unjustly. How could any mother bear this? Yet Jesus showed love and affection to his mother. In his time of unimaginable suffering, he made sure she would be taken care of by John, the disciple. Now let's really think about that. Whipped, beaten, bloodied, Jesus was nailed to a cross. He was suffering the worst physical pain imaginable, and beyond even that, he also bore the punishment for our sins. Yet his concern was not about himself at that moment. Jesus loves his mother. That much is clear. But what is equally clear is that he loves all who come to him in faith. He loved his mother enough to take care of her, and he loved sinners enough to die for them. When he hung on the cross, he thought of others. And even today, if you're trusting in him, he's interceding for you because he cares for you. His eyes are still on the weak and helpless, people like you and me. And that can bring you great comfort this Easter week. Even in a world that's so full of evil and injustice and suffering, Jesus cares for his own. He loves us. Think about the Christians in Ukraine. They're going through something that few of us 
will ever have to experience. Yet Jesus loves them and cares for them just as he loves and cares for us. That's the heart of our Savior. And that is why we can take comfort in his words that he left for us. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory This is Haven Today and How Deep the Father's Love for Us by Selah. I'm Charles Morris. Now, I'd like us to get a little update on Ukraine. I'd like you to meet a pastor that I met with when I was in Poland. His name is Pastor Sashko. He is a Ukrainian, but he's been living in Poland for the past 12 years. He's only about 30 years old. 
And he pastors a small church that all of a sudden has become a large church because of the refugee population coming in. They're currently helping refugees. And he shared with us a bit about that. The real estate market is a, is a disaster already. Uh, it's, it's impossible to rent anything. Uh, but Polish people have been showing incredible hospitality to um, Ukrainians coming in. You can see Ukrainian flags everywhere. You can see strangers, you know, Polish people opening up their homes to strangers. Um, and uh, and every, everybody's just uh, very, very helpful, probably because Poland, um, like... No other country in Eastern Europe remembers very well what Russians are capable of and and how they operate. Um, so um, Poland knows very well what to do in, in, in situations like this. And um, the, there are more. There are a lot of Christians coming in from Ukraine too. Um, so this Sunday, for instance, we had 70 people at the the worship service where we would normally have um, 30, 35. So. Um, uh, it's 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 a, it's definitely a big challenge for us. How how do we minister to them to the best of our ability when we are short staffed and we learn different things at seminary and uh, but nobody teaches you how to evacuate people or or how to get a, a bulletproof vest to people that need it. <laughs> we asked Pastor Stashko how we can better pray for the situation there in Eastern Europe. His answer was short, but it was really sweet. Please pray for this to be over. Uh, the sooner the better. Um, pray for the people that have been displaced and that are uh, asking themselves a lot of questions and uh, are seeking uh, God oftentimes and uh, asking themselves, you know, spiritual questions that maybe they wouldn't have asked if they were if they stayed in the comfort of their homes and, and, and in, in their own country. I asked this young pastor in Krakow who's being overwhelmed with ministry needs that he never expected. I asked him to lead us in prayer. Lord, we pray um, for this war to be over. Um, the sooner, the better. We pray that um, the displaced and those who have been hurt and those who have lost their dear ones, that they would be comforted by you, that they would be able to find you in the midst of their um, bereavement and, and all the troubles that they have to experience. We pray for the families to be able to see each other again, to reunite. We pray for those that um, are going through uh, different um, psychological and, and mental and spiritual issues now because of what they've seen and what they've um, experienced. And we pray that the church here in Poland, in all the neighboring countries of um, yeah, Ukraine on the western side, um, in uh, and across the world, that the, ch the global church would be able to minister to these people, help them, um, and um, just bless them with uh, everything that they might be needing in the next um, weeks or months or, or even years. Lord, we pray that we, um, you would be glorified through everything that your church does and that um, this light and salt, that it would be seen um, everywhere, not just um, by the people that are receiving this help, but, al but also that are around us. Uh, and that, that know us and know about us. We pray that um, you would bring, we pray for peace, that you would um, grant us um, uh, this peace as soon as possible, and we pray that um, your name would be glorified in, in this. We pray about this in the name of our Savior. Amen. I'm so thankful we could spend a little time with Pastor Sashko. We had breakfast with him one morning. Please. Remember to pray boldly that this war will end. 
And until it does, keep praying that the Lord will minister to those in need. And one way you can give boldly is by supporting the aid efforts of Mission Eurasia. They're handing out food as well as Bibles in the name of Jesus. And we're sending 100% of your gifts to Eurasia, directly to Eurasia. I've said it a lot, but think about this. $50 feeds a family of five for a week. How much this Easter week can you give to help in the name of Jesus? Well, why don't you visit haventoday.org. You can make your gift there, haventoday.org. Or you can call us right now. And the number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And just before we go, we heard from Dr. N.T. Wright earlier in the program from his Resurrection documentary. It's an epic-scale production shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England. It'll help you better understand what the Bible teaches about the resurrection. It will also help you share the resurrection with those you know who may not believe that there was a bodily resurrection of our Lord on that first Easter Sunday. I'd like to send you the Resurrection DVD with our thanks for your financial support, supporting the resurrection outreach of Jesus Christ here on Haven Today. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website, Watch the short video with Dr. Wright addressing the question, is the resurrection historically accurate? And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And you can also make your gift for those in great need in Eastern Europe right now, when you call or when you give online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we get to share together the great story It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The theater is packed, the audience is buzzing, and the smell of buttered popcorn is overwhelming. The summer's big blockbuster movie is about to start, but first, you have to watch the previews. Movie trailers get our attention if they're well done. They tell us enough to get us excited without spoiling the whole story. You know, there are a lot of previews in the Old Testament, too. One of the most popular is the Passover. Luke's Gospel telling us that Jesus entered Jerusalem just before his crucifixion. What happened next? Then came the Day of Unleavened Bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Soon, the true Passover lamb would be slain for the sins of the people. The real thing, and not a preview. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit getanchor.com.